Around this time of the year, um, I'm always tempted by too many good food and too many good gatherings. And uh, the time that allows me to do some vingy wa watching of Netflix or, or K-dramas or but one thing that uh, I've learned over the years as I'm getting older, the season presents us really good opportunity to reflect. So I've been reflecting on a few things on my life. And 2018 is almost over before we are rushed into the new year and then crazy hustle and bustles of the, the, the celebration of the world of the New Year's Eve that we can get sucked into. I'd like us to just have a little more unhurried time of just reflecting on God's Word. Um, Let's think about these, about four things, why we reflect on our lives during the year. And I already kind of gave it away, the first one. It gives an opportunity to make the cycles of life more meaningful. I am sure most of you, if not all of you, have seen the movie, The Groundhog. I, I, I chuckled at, at that movie, at the same time, the alarm clock goes on and he turns it off, but the same thing happens over and over. When you think about New Year's Day, I mean New Year's End, the Year's End and Christmas and holidays and New Year's Day, and same thing over and over, isn't it? It's the same day, so we some kind of a made a dates of calendar. So it's really not an ending, it's not a new beginning, but it, we made it that way. It's a cycle of, after summer, fall comes, fall, winter, and spring, summer, all over again. But there is a wisdom, and Ecclesiastes actually talks about there is a time for everything. And time to mourn, time to rejoice. Time to happy, time to be sad. And then year's end, the time to capture what God has been doing in our lives. And I think it's one of the best traditions we have at Crossway is sharing Crossway story. Everyone is in a notation. And as um, each person writes the Crossway story, I think the person who is preparing for that receives the most benefit because it reflects on what God has been doing. Right? I want to encourage you that. We have time. Even t today, there's no home group. And tomorrow, unless you are already gearing to the like, crazy New Year's Eve party, 
There's space. Instead of a little less, um, instead of more of a sports and TV or, or entertainment and Netflix, there's an intentional time that is good for us to reflect, to begin with our time this morning. Secondly, it helps us to stop and slow down before we get sucked into the busyness of the year-end parties and get-together. I've said it enough about that. Thirdly, it brings our lens back in focus as we're being ushered into a new year. Um, last thing I want in my life is going into the new year with a hazy perspective. So you get up in the morning, it's, okay, it's a January 2nd. I don't have any clear view of my life. And the preparation of being guided by the scripture, by the spirit into the new year, new year is absolutely critical for Christ followers. And fourth and lastly, it leads us to pursue what matters most in life and grow deeper in it. So there's few things you might think that your family is important, um, your job is important, but all of us can agree on if you are a believer in Christ, <coughs> God's word is important. So we like to reflect on this, the value and role of God's word in our lives. And for that, we are going to go to Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm of the Bible. And then Psalm 119 is quite unique. It's 176 verses. Um, Hebrew alphabet has 22. This is 14th letter, noon. And each letter, each stanza starts with an alphabet with that, eight verses. Incredibly systematic. It's, it's because this was used as memorization, memorization and to teach the younger ones and to, to speak to one another. So here's eight verses of 14th letter. And Psalm 105 is one of, one of the most well-known verses of the Bible. Um, allow me to read the text one more time as we meditate. Psalm 119, 105 to 112. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord. 
and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. And I said with this passage, um, now a couple, couple of weeks, And I like to share four ref reflections in this. And here's the first one. To be guided by the word, we must first declare it personally. When you look at verse 105, your word is a lamp, lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this has been a song sang as a gospel song, and everybody knows about it. You see the plaque on, on the walls. When you think about this, there are three aspects about this declaration. Number one, this declaration is truthful. Yes, because God, the creator, sovereign ruler of the universe, the the wise one, one and only, God has revealed his will in his written word. So it is truthful. No disagreement about that. And number two, it is experiential. If you are a true believer, at least in your some time in your life you have experienced God's guidance through his word. But the important thing that I'd like us to meditate on that it is personal. Your word is a lamb to my feet and light to my path. This is a personal declaration. Why is it important? Unless we take the general truth and occasional benefits and we take that as a personalized declaration of our willingness to trust and rely in our life path, life journey, it will not become our constant, consistent guide in life. So I think one of the most important meditation this morning is to declare this. Have you ever made that declaration to yourself, to your family, to your children, to your closest friend, to your men's group and women's group?
We ought to do that. But there's something that I like to clarify because oftentimes well-meaning believer misunderstand what it means to be guided by the word. We think of God's word being lamp to our feet and light to our path. It's like a GPS instruction. Turn right, next signal. You just follow. Take this job, marry this girl, live this in, in this city. Unless you think that God is not personal, God's providential will that you feel guided by God in a very personal way, and I could testify, you know, uh, my wife Kate was a hand-picked blessing for me. But what I mean by God's work, God's word, guys, not in this fortune cookie way, God's word is more like a compass pointing to the direction of north and south and west and east rather than individuals' um, mysterious fortune teller look like kind of uh, guidance. God is more important, interested in our character, who are, we are becoming, than what we do. The general will of God revealed in Scripture doesn't give us a specific things, but it points to the right way of God, way of Jesus. For example, when you are seeking guidance for your career, the God's guidance give you go generally will will point to the right direction in terms of will this edify your family? <coughs> will this edify your relationship with God? As opposed to just the number one thing that happens is salary, right? So if, if salary happens to be big, you travel so much and you're not going to be home three weeks out of four entire month, is that really God's will? It's a simple discerning process of revealing God's words. Putting God first, what does it look like? And I mentioned Kate as a handpicked blessing for me, but this might not sound romantic at all, but the pool of woman, godly woman, it didn't have to be Kate. Look for a woman who, whose heart is bent toward to God. Look for a woman who loves the word of God. Those are the directions. And the extra, extra cherry on pie kind of thing is that she's attractive to me. She's intel intelligent. 
She keeps me on my toe. I, my problem was my relationship with the girls. I get all, always bored. But even to this day, I'm on my toe. I never get... I can't control her. <laughs> Your word is a lamp to my feet. So think about this. Not only, you could think about your camping lamp, even that works, but especially Jewish lamp, the small, mediocre lamp you're holding, that barely shows your next step. There's a wisdom in that. God's word doesn't give you 10 steps ahead. God's word gives you, take the next step. I want to know 10 steps ahead. No, you take the next step. You know why this is so crucial and beneficial for our church? We don't know where we're going to meet next year. By July, we need to <laughs> move out. We haven't, I, I'm not kidding. Not one single clue about where, where our next possibility of facility will be. But God showed it once, one step. So next Sunday, I'm going to reveal that, uh, God's guidance. And then we're going to go through the annual family meeting together. I'm very certain about God's guidance in that. I don't, beyond that, I don't know. Light to my path. Light to my path. If you think about even, even during, you know, when you're traveling with your car, if you don't have the headlight, just, you know, back in my college days, we used to do these crazy things in Texas, and, you know, Texas freeway is huge, and at night, there's rarely no cars. All of a sudden, our fun thing was turn the light, headlights on. And endure how long we could go without headlights. Scary. But when you think about God's light showing us, there's so many prudent ways to avoid unnecessary pain, stupidity that we make as a parent, as a husband and wife, as a worker, employer, and employee, if we follow God's guidance. Before this service is over, over, my prayer is that every single one of us in the, in the depth of our heart makes that declaration. Reflection number two. To be guided by the word, we must make a deliberate commitment to obey God's word. Immediately after 105 verse, and this verse follows, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it and to keep your righteous, ru righteous rules. And verse 12, at the end of the 8th verse, 
I incline my heart to perform your statues forever to the end. In Psalm 119, there's synonyms everywhere. The same meaning of the different words. The word, the statutes, the law, commandments, they all refer to the same thing. What do you sense? Uh, how about verse 13, the following verse, this is not part of this stanza, the first verse of the next stanza. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. As soon as we declare, yes, Lord, I want your law, your word to be my lamp and my light. Guide me. Immediately, we need to make the commitment, deliberate commitment. But ours is a generation that hates commitment, right? So we want to kind of go along and test it out a little bit. You will not experience it. You have to go all in. I think reflection one declaration, I, I think most of us are easily convinced. But the first cost that we need to pay is will you make deliberate commitment today? What is the commitment? Commitment is not just uh, reading, listening, learning, driving in your car and listening to the sermon, a podcast. It's actually obeying. How many, how many times have we read scripture and meditated and studied on it to inform ourselves. But the purpose of the word of God is to transform our hearts inside out. When that happens, we are guided by the word. What would that look like when you commit to obeying? A simple suggestion that I have, and I do myself, next time when you read scripture, don't be a spectator, and be a child, that as if you are anxious to act upon it. And Jesus said, Forgive others as I have forgiven you. Don't sit around and just think about why 
And what, what is the reason that I can't forgive that person? If you are really convinced that God's word has absolute wisdom over your life, the first thing that we need to do, I'm not saying you uh, process with that passage. I'm saying submission. How beautiful it is when a person reads a scripture with anxious heart to submit to the authority, to obey. That's the commitment. And when you share quiet time, it's not what I remember, it's not what I realize, it's not just what I learned today, but what will you do because of that reading? If that reading disturbs you because you are willing to obey, but all your body system refuses it, that is a godly struggle. Humble yourself before the Lord that He will lift you high, exalt you. The pride is something each one of us has either subtle or very inverted struggle. You know, if, if you're a flamboyant person, you could show arrogance, but most of us became adaptable in life that our pride is subtle. That when we read the scripture, we ought to struggle and submit. And it, I'm a beggar to, to tell another beggar where I got my bread. But after initial struggle, when you obey it, when God's word transforms you, there's nothing like it. There's joy in it. If you have gone through that, you know what I'm talking about. There's freedom in submission. So have you made this commitment to obey God's word in this year's hand? Reflection number three. To be guided by the word, we must cling to God's word in times of severe affliction as well as of grateful praise. I intentionally wanted to keep those words, but basically what we are talking about is you know, pain and suffering and bad times and good and joyful and happy blessing times. Psalm 107, I mean the verse 107, I am severely afflicted, afflicted. give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Notice there are three circumstances at least. The one is severe affliction. 
Oh, by the way, throughout Psalm 19, the psalmist have said so many times, I'm afflicted. It was good for me to be afflicted. Before affliction, I went astray, but I now obey your law. Several times. But this stanza is the first stanza that includes severely afflicted. He must be going through a really hard time, whatever that might be. When you're going through a hard time, what do you look for? If you do not declare God's word as your guide, if you don't make a commitment to obey the word, the self-default mode would be self-reliance. I got to figure this out. I got to call some, some people. Oh, I got to look at WebMD to figure out what I need to do for my kids and for my family, for myself. How do we get out of this problem with financial crisis? But look, look at what the psalmist is doing. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O oh Lord, according to your word. He clings to the word. The second circumstance is free will offerings of praise. What does free will offering mean? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's free will. You don't have to do it. It's a voluntary the Old Testament sacrificial system, there are so many uh, burnt offering, guilt offering, so many kinds of obligatory and occasional timely sacrifice offerings that they need, that they need to make. But free, free will offering is totally up to you. As if it's not Sunday, you don't have to go to church but I want to worship God. It's not your tithe or offering that you made up your mind to give, but I want to give it to, the God, give it to God as an expression of my love and praise to Him. Why? Because I'm joyful. God has blessed me. That's the time. What, what was his response? Oh Lord, teach me your rules. He takes that as a time to cling to, the, to God's word, to be teachable. I want more of your word. Help me understand your word. And thirdly, it's a danger. There, there are two things in danger, 109, I hold my life in my hand continually. That expression is it's 
to hold my hand in my hand continually, it's, it's a dangerous, it's risky. I could drop it. I could get hurt. And the second aspect is, the wicked have laid a snare for me. Someone's against me. We could think about this not as a only person or the people who do not like us or hostile to us, but our spiritual enemies too. The evil ones in his army will continually put a snare and temptation for us to slip, for us to feel just rotten and self-condemnation comes. And the finger pointing, you call yourself Christian. What does he do in that, in that situation? I do not forget your law. I do not stray from your precepts. So I ask you this morning, I know we're all of us want to be guided by God's word. Want to benefit from God's word. Not only in this year's end, in the new year, 2019. But do you cling to God's word in your current tri trials? In your celebration of success and happiness? Reflection number four is to be guided by the word, we must learn to delight in God's word as our most prized possession and source of joy in everyday life, day by day. Dear verse 11, 111, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. But one stanza prior to that reveals more of that too. The same psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. It is my de meditation all day. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I think w one of the paradigm shift we need to experience is this. Um, idea of making commitment to God's word, uh, declaring God's word, and obeying God's word. It all sounds good, but in the end, it doesn't sound pleasant to us. But the most of us, if we are shallow in our meditation, might think of this kind of thing as a cold shower in the middle of the winter. Oh, the cold shower will be good for me. 
the lust will be gone and I'll, I'll be just more focused. You'll be self-disciplined. But I'm sure glad I, I'm got over. I'm over with the cold shower. Did you notice this? The actually the secret of the psalmist's guidance, the way of life being guided by day by day, is this love and delight. Because the love and delight of the word being guided by God, actually it's all about his relationship with personal God, walking with God day by day, falling in love with God. And then God's word becomes a means to and communicating. God reveals himself to us. He speaks to us. He walks with us and talks with us. And the secret of guidance is not opening the fortune cookie, but is knowing the person. And falling in love with that person. Brothers and sisters, have you remembered the time that you felt deep intimacy with God? You felt so close. Because the word became real to you. In my life, there are several occasions like that. But one uh, distinctive memories that come to my mind is my high school days. Back in Texas, I was struggling. I was the only Asian in every class. I just got here from Korea. I'm still trying to learn English. And here we are reading Julius Caesar and having oral pop quiz every day. My pride hurt. Act like I don't know anything. That severe affliction was a mass blessing of God for me. My mom, my grandma, who, was, who were devout Christians who read Bible every day, it's not because they told me that I need to read Bible. I was desperate. But every night, I couldn't go to sleep until I read Bible. I learned to enjoy Psalm during that time. The psalm was so personal, expressed my feelings as well. And as I read, the pages became so personal. I know it's a, some of the pages are written several thousand years ago, but somehow it's God's personal letter to me. God spoke to me personally. And to a point, I would write, handwrite, 
Some of those Psalms, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Whom shall I dread? Even though war will rise against me, whom I, I would not be afraid. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I shall seek to behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple. I understood the one thing David wanted was to behold the beauty of the temple and not to be in the, in the temple or church all the time to have intimate relationship. This is all I need. Even though my friends might ignore me, I'm not as popular as I used to be, maybe back in Korea. But Lord, if you are near me, if you walk with me, if you are my best friend, I'm okay. I still remember writing on a piece of paper and writing it, carry their mind. There was no contest in Sunday school class. I fell in love with the word of God. Lest you think that it is an adolescent thing and phase you went through. Uh, during my college ministry days, one of the things that um, I had to do, because it, this was a church plan back in the mid-90s, um, I had to work full-time. So I became an operations, operations manager at this uh, import-export business. I was single, lonely, but I was committed to treasure God's word, to fall in love with God's word. So I, I would go to work one hour earlier than others. Uh, people usually come in at 8. I go 7, make coffee, coffee and, and sit at the cold office opening the scripture. Sometimes because of late night and you know being on UCI campus or talking with the students, I get up so late I barely make it on time. So I miss my time with God. But I yearned for that time so much that during date during the lunchtime, either I skip the lunch or I'll go to the truck food truck and get get a burrito and go to the closet storage closet and then sit there for about 30-40 minutes of just opening God's word. God met with me. I know if you have ex experienced the joy of your salvation in the Lord Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. You know the sentiment to a certain degree. Consider this is a call from the Holy Spirit through a mere person, your pastor, 
He calls you to come back to the intimate relationship with God again. To open the Bible, not because you have to, but because you freely want to. Make some space. Next 48 hours. If necessary, go to Starbucks. Usually around that New Year's Day, Starbucks open, no one's there. Open up the Bible and ask, Lord, meet with me. I will not get up from this seat until you meet with me. And the word become, will become sweet to you. That's the Lord's promise. Draw near to God. Then he will draw near to you. The day that you call on me, I will answer. I think Charles Spurgeon, centuries ago, a couple of centuries ago, in one of his sermons, he wrote these words. You notice David does not merely say, they make my heart rejoice. But he says, they are the rejoicing of my heart. He does not merely say, they give me joy, but they are my joy. They are essentially and really the delight of my spirit. Oh, what a difference it makes when the man has truly taken Christ as his Savior in the way in which he looks at his religion. Until you have taken the covenant, the testimonies, and the Christ of God to be in your inheritance, you may be, <clears throat> after a fashion, deeply pious, and yet sadly measurable over your piety. It is love that makes you joyful in God. And being joyful in God, nothing is too hard or too heavy for you. And you say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Our feet are made like hands' feet to leap over difficulties when we have really taken a firm grip of the eternal truths of God and have taken them to be our heritage forever. It is one of the evidences of grace when these things are the rejoicing of our heart. I was planning to end this, and I thought, um, if I may, I want to do actual reflection with you. This will be a question for your breakout groups as well, but let me go through this really quickly. Let's reflect on how we can apply when it comes to declare in what ways will you declare God's word is lamp to your feet and light to your path to yourself? 
to your family. I, I think one of the beautiful ways is that, come children, I got to tell you something. Today is the last Sunday, and then in, t- in two days, it will be 2019, I have to tell you something. You know what? Dad wants, more than anything, mom wants, God's word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. And I want that to be our confession, declaration as well. Maybe going back to your men's group, women's group, you could say that. Confess that. Declare that. When it comes to commit, what might be a deliberate way for you to commit to obeying God's word in the coming year? Perhaps we could journal about it. Lord, I commit. Literally. Next time when I open the word, I'll anxious anticipate my obedience to your God's word. I will submit to your your word. And you could share that with your men's group, women's group as well. Number three, <clears throat> what would it mean for you to cling to God's word in your current trial? In your success? Celebration and praise. Um, this weekend has been difficult for me because uh, I, I have a stomach flu. I don't want to reveal too much details that doesn't uh, appetizing for you. I have an important meeting that we need, I need to lead this afternoon as well. To cling to God's word means for me, it looks like this. Lord, strengthen me. Renew my heart. Although my body is weak, although I have to go to the bathroom so many times, sustain my spirit, my focus. When I preach this morning, Lord, let your power come because I am ready to surrender. It's been a fabulous year for you, some of you. Your children did so well and your business skyrocketed. To cling to God's word is, Lord, to you and you only, I give my glory. All the credit belongs to you. And I worship you and follow you in the coming year. Your favor is on me. Finally, how will you delight in God's word in this year's end? In the new year 2019. What is your basic plan for delighting it? And I mean, 
<clears throat> heard about solitude and silence day. If you never tried it, and this is how you do it. You come and seek God's guidance. And at the end of the day, what we call it a top 10 list, top 10 most items that you would like to train yourself on for the purpose of godliness. Why? Because your, your desire for delighting in God's word will never come unless you have a basic plan. And you put it into your top 10 list. It, okay, it has been really inconsistent. I was very distractive and I was reading scripture and looking at the quiet time. I mean, uh, Facebook at the same time and going back and forth. Lord, that coming here, I come in to delight. Every morning, certain time. Every night, certain time, you name it. I'll keep walking with you. I'll draw near to you. Your word is sweeter than honey, Lord. I am going to treat you, your word, as my most pri prized possession, not as a cold shower I have to get it over with or the shot that I need to get. I love each one of you. I really mean it as your pastor. My, my prayer for each one of you is that you will listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and follow it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for these four reflections that helped me and in turn that helped our congregation our prayer is that, uh, that you will uh, teach us to declare, to commit, to cling to, and to delight in your word. May this year's end and becomes an intentional space in which we could reflect on these. So that coming year, um, we will be uh, ready to be ushered in in the direction that you want us to go. Yes, as Crossway Church, we declare your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path in the coming year that where we could meet next year. We bless you. We thank you. We give you our free will offering and praise in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <coughs>